Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bachelors in the City. Now, we'd like to bring you to the danger zone. What's up, guys? All right, we're back here for an episode that I probably, I don't know if I've ever been as excited for an episode as the one we're about to show you. Guys, I he has never been so excited. He is over here sweating. He's being the biggest Okay, I wasn't, I wasn't sweating. You're sweating. Give him context why I was sweating. You're sweating. You're just so excited and nervous. You get to talk to Not, one of your idols. Yeah. Okay. We, I don't, uh, is that a banana in your pocket, or are you just really excited? Like, this guy is excited. About? But it is an awesome episode, guys. I'm not going to lie. Apologize is- if there's a little bit of fangirling, but uh, <laughs> we have Kevin LaRosa on, who is, this guy has the dream job. He is a huge part of why Top Gun Maverick, if you guys haven't seen it, go see it yesterday. It is that good. But he's a huge reason why this movie is so iconic, so epic, so beautiful. He is the aerial photographer, the stunt coordinator for that movie. I don't know how we got so lucky to get him on, actually. That was that was huge. This was a really, really cool interview, specifically for me. I know Dustin enjoyed it. And I uh, hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let's do it. All right, guys. Well, this is an episode that I am especially excited for. I know Dustin is right there with me after going to see Top Gun Maverick a couple days ago in theaters. We are joined by Kevin LaRosa, the aerial coordinator and stunt pilot for Top Gun Maverick. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, guys. I'm glad to be here. So, hey, real quick, we uh, we thought we would... Listen, you're working with Top Gun. I'm obsessed. I thought we dressed the part, so give us one second here. <laughs> He's really excited. I'm excited. He's, like, this guy is really excited. I'm a little nervous I, I to made, even be sitting by him. I think he's going to be that excited. I made Dustin agree to this. So I don't know if that's our, a banana. We'll bring our flight jackets on. I feel right. like I have to at least put aviators on. We got the aviators coming on. And then wait for it. This wouldn't be a proper Top Gun episode without... All right. Roger, roger. We are, uh, we are locked in. Kevin, my man. Well, like I said, we are super stoked to have you on. I guess, first off, how did you, uh, how did you get involved with, uh, with the Top Gun movie? It's a long story, but to shorten it up quite a bit, I'm a third-generation pilot, second-generation stunt pilot for the movie business, and very rare, I'm a jet guy uh, as well as a helicopter guy, and there's just not many of those in the U.S. or around the world, to be honest. And when I knew the movie was going to be a real thing, I'd worked with Tom on a few other projects, and he said, Kev, you know, we're going to do this thing all real. I knew the technology didn't exist. We didn't have a cool enough platform to help us tell this story. When you guys originally were going to uh, start filming it? Yeah, this is like 2014, 2015. It's kind of an idea. We're starting to get whispered around, like, this is going to happen. We're starting to feel pretty good about this. So I created and built this jet-based camera platform that we call the Cinejet today by basically putting an L-39 Albatross and a shot over camera system together. And that jet was used widely throughout the filming, but I built it not knowing I was gonna get the movie. It kind of just took a bit of a chance. And I remember it was a Saturday, it was a day kind of like this right behind me and I'm in my backyard and I get a call from the executive producer and he goes, Kev, you know, we know you built the Cinejet and you're kind of like the jet guy as far as motion picture filming's concerned. Do you want to do the jet work on Top Gun Maverick? Oh and I was God. like, I was what trying a call. to be all low, low key about it, like, oh yeah, yeah, it sounds awesome. I'd love to do that. <laughs> Put, putting it on mute and me like, oh my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. Cone <laughs> of silence, Kev, we can still hear you. <laughs> so that was very exciting. That was very cool. My role then evolved 
just from the jet pilot to the aerial coordinator of the entire movie. I flew the helicopter and both jets that we had on the movie, and I was in charge of all the aerials, and uh, it was a dream come true, really. That's crazy. So the technology you built, well, that was the actors when they were inside the jet. No, no, he, not, he's talking, you, you had the actual camera, you were the camera operator from a separate aircraft and controlling a camera from that aircraft, correct? You're mostly correct. I was the camera pilot, so I'm flying the L-39 or I'm flying our, our Phenom camera jet, and then I have an aerial DP or camera operator. I like to consider them brave souls who sit behind me in the other ejection seat, and they operate the camera. They can't see where they're going, you know, they're, we're down there doing, you know, 350, 400 miles an hour. Oh, my God. Trees are going by. Rocks are going by. I don't know how they do it. I'm pretty comfortable up front, but, man, that's not a place I'd be wanting to sit in the back. But they do it, They and they do a great job at it. So that was all real. I was wondering, like, these actors inside this jet, and their faces are just, like, going Well, that's nuts. real, too. So, there's, so that's uh, real. The, wow. The rule on Top Gun Maverick is everything had to be as real as humanly possible. So all of our cast is really in the F-18s. When we see them... Monica and Glenn and you know all those all those guys in the aircraft they're really there and that distortion of the face that's literally because they're pulling G's. you can't you can't simulate that that's that's a hundred percent real way. I think that's no what way. Tom Cruise was so excited to it was it was a necessity that it had to be brought real life to to the screen and and you I mean I saw it for the second time here uh, a couple of days ago I, I took Dustin and it still I was on the edge of my seat knowing exactly what's happening but still it just it's he such was. a I was looking over I was like what the <laughs> God, you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> were, were you pretending like you'd never seen it before? Were you just as interested? I, I was just, man, I, I was obsessed with the movie. On Top Gun, the original, was my all-time favorite movie, and this honestly is right up there, if not better, in my opinion. This um, one was way better. This one, in my opinion, as someone that's not really... Dustin hadn't seen, he hadn't seen the original until a couple days prior. Yeah, uh, but Dustin, you don't have to, right? I mean, the, the, this new movie is so good. You, you don't have to see it. No, you don't have to see it at all. Like, if you haven't seen it, just, just it, go it can be watch a standalone two. Movie. Then later on, you can watch the first one, and things will start to click a little bit. But, man, I will say, I wasn't a fan. And Pete almost killed me when I said this. I wasn't a fan of the first one. It was okay. Like, I, it, I mean, I get it. 30 years ago. It's pretty old. Listen, don't, don't, be, don't one, be dissing any of the Top Gun movies. This second now. one was yeah, un unbelievable. Un yeah. The, the, the movie rocks. It, it really does. I'll give you something kind of cool. When we first started principal photography, I remember being in this really large room. We were at Naval Air Station uh, Lemoore, Central California, and Tom kind of gathered us around and he gave us a bit of a speech. And it's a speech that I'll never forget. And it set the tone for the filming of the entire movie. And it's a, one of the reasons why I think the movie is so great today. And he basically said this. He said, guys, we're at a disadvantage here. We're going to make a sequel to a very historic and iconic movie. We're at a disadvantage. And he said, we needed to wait 30 years so that there was a story worth being told. We needed to wait 30 years so there was technology so that we can tell that story. But here's the kicker, and this is the best part. He said, we need to obtain a level of cinematic perfection in this movie that has never been seen before. And I feel like that resonated with the entire crew and the cast, and that's what we did the entire movie. I mean, also led by Joe Kaczynski, our director, we were literally trying to make a perfect movie, and I think we got really damn close to that. I, I, I think I, it was perfect. Did. I don't it think perfect. it fell short in any category whatsoever. You that did. yeah. What what a cool message to I mean just to be. In, I would I can't even imagine what it would be like to work with Tom Cruise and just his level. He he's like the ultimate perfectionist, right? You can see it in just 
him, you know, in so many other movies doing his own stunts and, um, but also having the background as an actual aviator in real life. He, I think he, the P-51 Mustang, that's his in real life, right? That's his. And he, and that beautiful flying that we see in the movie, that's him. That's all. That's actually, that, that end scene is actually him and Jennifer Connelly. Yes, absolutely. That's, uh, and that's me and the L-39 Synergy chasing him and filming him. That's, that's 100% real. That is, I, that I is actually, scary. I noticed it, um, the second time around. So the movie ends on that, I mean, not, I mean. Hopefully I'm not spoiling here, but yeah, you know, we, with the, into spoilers here. <laughs> Shoot, easy, I, I just, easy. Well, we can cut this out if, if it. Uh, say I'm, at I'm some point. Say at some sure. point. There's at um, some point. At some movie. at some point, you know, there's that beautiful scene there with uh, P51, and he's flying. Uh, what's I forget her character name now, but Jennifer Connelly, and uh, and he like he banks right, and then I thought I didn't real notice until the second time, but then they do that really cool tribute to what was his name? Is it uh, something Scott? Who was the? Uh, I think it was the director from the previous movie. Tony Scott. Um, Tony Scott. Yeah. Tony Scott. And then they and then they come back around into camp into the frame and then he cuts left and like kind of like flying west kind of type uh homage to him. I I don't know. I thought it was it was beautiful cinematography and I didn't notice it the first time. That is a one continuous take, by the way. Wow. That's crazy. So you just kept flying straight and level there and you waited for Tom to buzz back around, get back, and then go left. That's right. Well, I got to ask you about the, the scenes with their, honestly, I think most of them, most of the shots were actually used in, in trailers and previews, but there's the low level flying scenes where that jet is a couple feet over the desert sand and it is just, it is burning across. Were you, were you flying? Like, were you the stunt pilot flying that at that moment? No, no. So I, the F-18s were flown by the DOD, by the Navy. And we okay. have great Naval aviators throughout the Navy flying the F-18s. I was either on the ground if there was not a camera platform, so holding a radio right next to camera and the director, talking the F-18s in, or I was in a helicopter. In the particular sequence that you're referencing, I was in our camera helicopter. There's a few oh aerial God. shots of that thing. They're in the trailer, so we're not spoiling anything. Of that right. thing pitching up and going right underneath the camera, which is real. Holy shit. So that's, that's typically, you never see me. I'm the guy behind the lens. That's incredible, man. How much would you say is actually film, like, I don't think 100%, right? But how much, like, of the movie is actually n none of it CGI? I mean, obviously, you know, the jet's being shot down. That's, that's all CGI. But is everything else, for the most part, all legit real? That's a good question. And here's the perfect answer to that question. The rule of Top Gun Maverick is that there always has to be a real asset or a real aircraft behind the lens. We would never allow on Top Gun Maverick uh, the use of what's called a blank, like, plate shot, a VFX plate okay. shot. So if we're in the Cinejet or I'm in a helicopter, my camera operator is never going to just film blue sky, ever. That's against the rules on Top Gun Maverick. There's always a real aircraft behind the lens. Now, how we use CGI? We use CGI in Top Gun Maverick to enhance what's already there, what's already real in camera. So okay. that's missiles and that's, you know, explosions when they hit the jet. And if there's an asset or an aircraft that's not readily available or flyable, that's still an F-18 that's simply just reskinned to be a different aircraft. So that should answer So those fifth generation fighters are reskinned. There's there's really F-18s there in, in frame. So when we're pulling G's and those vapor coming off of those things, that's that's a real aircraft behind that lens. Okay, one more question. <laughs> I'm, I'm so intrigued. That insane scene where that fifth generation fighter does that unreal maneuver to, to have the missile miss it. An F-18 wasn't actually doing that. That had to have been CGI, right? Again, an F-18 is there doing a similar maneuver that's slightly enhanced by CGI. Oh, my God. Uh, we, 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 never broke, we never broke our number one rule in the movie. Of course, there has to be enhancements in places, but there's an airplane there. And, and I'll tell you what, the F-18, it doesn't have thrust vectoring, obviously, but from a civilian getting to fly with the F-18, 
It is extremely maneuverable, and it does things that I didn't even think it could do, including these extreme high alpha nose up. You know, that thing will just stop, slow down, and turn around quicker than you'd believe, and it's not thrust vectored. And we utilized all of those maneuvers throughout the movie. I don't, I don't think people realize how powerful these jets are. Like, I, I'm, I'm from Chicago, and they have the air and water show every year. And a few days coming up to it, you can hear these jets just going by. It sounds like you're in war. It's insane how it shakes the house, how loud it is. I don't think people realize how powerful these things are. That's, that's, all, that's true. a lot of thrust. D Dustin, you know, when you're standing anywhere near them, you, get, you can feel the concussion in your chest of all of that thrust out of the back of those airplanes. And it's a, another reason why this movie needed to absolutely be seen in theater. In uh, IMAX. sound like that. Especially IMAX or, or Dolby Sound. But when you're sitting in a theater and you could feel the base of that, you know, jet engine, yeah. that's why we need to watch it in the theater. 100%. I could feel, I was at the edge of my seats too. I, w I was grabbing these guys' legs and I was just like, <laughs> oh my God, what the fuck's going to happen? This isn't so intense. It's an intense... It's, it's, it brought back for me, like I grew up in the 90s, watching a, a, a good 90s action movie. This is what it kind of brought back to me. And I totally. had that feel again. And I loved it, man. The, the magic of, we were talking about that, the magic of the movies, and obviously COVID kind of unfortunately put like a delay on that or just, you know, stopped. But it felt like this was the first real summer blockbuster to come back that just almost hit you like in the nostalgic feeling of, Wow, I, I remember being super excited and just being so amazed, going to like a, just a beautiful work of art and experiencing it in the theater with the speakers and with the whole audience, just like being super engaged. This movie, I think, I mean, it's a huge tribute to you, man, being a huge part of it and making it come to life the way that it did. Nothing I think is has touched audiences like this movie has in a very long time. Well, I completely agree. And I appreciate the kind words. I mean, it, and I, I gotta tip my hat to the entire crew and especially even my aerial team. I mean, you're a pilot, you understand. I mean, just to get the L-39 to do something takes two crew chiefs because I got ejection seats and maintainers and we got schedulers and I have aerial production coordinators working with me, but that's just a civilian asset. You should see the naval assets. Right. I mean, the crew that kept those aircraft safe and operating every day was pretty incredible. And a giant testament to the entire village of the Top Gun production team. It just is so many people you know, I get shout outs all the time because people are so enthralled with the aerials, which is really fun for me. Mm -hmm. um, I just can't stress enough that, you know, so many people put their blood, sweat and tears into this movie just as much as I did. It, it definitely shows. How, how long um, restricting? I mean, not counting COVID. How long did this movie take to film? Would you say? It was about a year. It was about a year long process. I was involved a little prior to principal photography because we had all this new technology including the in-cockpit cameras that Claudio Miranda and his team, our director of photography for the movie, had built. All of that needed tested. So as with new technology, there's hurdles and lessons you got to overcome, but there's also things you didn't even know were possible. And that's kind of a filmmaking thing. I'll just give you that really quick. I always feel like in filmmaking, especially when you want to do something new and great, you have to be open to being outside the box and going, well, this is what we built this for, and if you just live there, then that's what you're going to come away with. But if you open your eyes and you, and you go, wow, we can actually go over here and do this, or this thing can actually do this crazy thing, mm -hmm. which we never saw before, and that's Top Gun Maverick. That is a continual uh, lifespan of that movie, of a process of all of us learning this new technology and using it to its full extent. And that's actually a great lesson just as an aviator. And Pete, I know you, that, know you know this. 
we never really stop learning. And if you think you know it all or you do stop learning, then you're kind of done, right? Yep. But if we really want to be better and really want to strive for, for perfection, you're always going to be learning. And we absolutely learned the entire length of this movie what was possible. That's incredible. I, I'm almost, I mean, I guess that, that begs the question here is, I don't know how much you can say, but Arnie, we were talking about this the other night. <laughs> if there was, I, like I, I got to put my aviators back on. Yeah, after yeah. This, I think. If, <laughs> if there was going to be, well, we, no, we were talking about if there was going to be a third movie, what would the storyline be? How would it go? Anything you can kind of tease with that? Because obviously this movie is freaking killing. I think it set records, Memorial Day, box office. Nothing's touched this. This thing's on its way to a billion dollars. So from the financial aspect, you would think that, you know, Paramount would want to continue. But I also feel like Tom Cruise, a perfectionist Cruise he is, is yeah, he's, yeah. you don't want to spoil something that, you know, unless you can do it better, which that almost sounds impossible. What can you, uh, can you tease us with anything? To be honest, guys, I know zero about another movie. I haven't heard a thing about it. I do know that, we set the bar so high with Top Gun Maverick, it would be a monumental task to set it even higher yeah. and even hit it again. This movie is incredible, and I think it'll live on in history forever. And I think Paramount and uh, everybody who was involved in movies are going to enjoy what this thing does throughout the world. Yeah, I think also you have to wait for the technology to pick up, too. To, to, I mean, you guys, you're absolutely right. You guys set the bar so there was no space. There's no space for really improvement you guys killed it so yeah, i would you think, would think like so. you would have to wait maybe another 10 years before technology could pick up again which brings me to the point of the beginning of the movie that that thing he was testing what was that necessarily that that wasn't a i mean that was a, a, a movie aircraft right that going obviously going mach 10 or the test for the mach 10 speed it almost looked like a, a um sr-71 type supersonic aircraft but what were you gonna ask well i was gonna ask how well yeah i guess it's, it's that real or not real I was going to ask, how real is that? And is it possible well, maybe I'm wrong. for humans to go? <laughs> so I'll, I will tell you guys this. I remember walking into that hangar in China Lake, California, and that aircraft was sitting in the hangar full-size in all up. its glory. It wasn't flyable, but that was a full-size mock-up aircraft. I don't think we're spoiling anything. This has been released to the public. I think Joe Kaczynski had something that just came out on it. Okay. Uh, so that was Paramount working with the Skunk Works, the real Skunk Works, as in like the top secret aircraft developer. And this was a full-size mock-up of, uh, I believe it's called an SR-72 Aurora. So that is a... Oh, I've heard about this with the scramjet technology. Uh-huh. Yes. So it's, it's nothing nothing new, not really make-believe. It is a, you know, I don't, I don't really know if that thing is flyable or if it exists somewhere in the world. I can tell you we're standing next to a full-size mock-up of it in a hangar. Um, and that's oh why God. it looks so fantastic in the movie when they're taxiing out and the canopy shutting. That's because he was literally sitting in it. Actually doing that. And remember, our number one rule on Top Gun Maverick is that there always has to be an aircraft in lens. So what was in its place? Enhanced, an F-18. F-18. I think we've all seen images of this F-18 doing this wild takeoff where dust gets blowing everywhere, goes right over our heads really low. That is the basis for the Dark Star to be reskinned on top of that F-18. So that's real jet wash. There's real afterburners going The one over Ed Harris that taking is, off. That's right. That was a real airplane actually doing that move. And then I hopped up in the Cinejet, and we shot all of the night. Well, it was kind of like low-light photography, if you remember the beginning of the movie. Yeah. yeah. And that's all an F-18 in full burner. Again, 
reskinned with VFX. So that's why it looks so good, and that's why it looks, you know, so realistic. So those shots, that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie was, was quiet, that intro was scene where yeah, it's just quiet and it's just like it's just a it's a it's a love story to aviation. You're just watching him, you know, continue approaching that that top speed. And uh, so that, you guys were shooting high at altitude, obviously, with a, a reskin yeah, aircraft. Yeah, we went as high as we can go, and then CGI, like I said, Sheesh. will always take over with our real assets Damn. and finish it off. But it can only be an enhancement. We don't break that. I love that rule. Top Gun Maverick. Yeah. Is that, but is that possible for a human to go up to Mach 10? That's a good question. We'll see. Who knows? I don't know. So that's probably, I know that's classified information. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows what, what the actual speed is. All right, man. Hey, listen. So. We, uh, I guess we missed each other. I was, I was stoked beyond belief to be invited to the premiere. I guess uh, you were there with uh, Glenn Powell, uh, one of the actors yep. who plays Hangman. Yep, I uh, was with Glenn's family. His mom and dad uh, are incredible people, and his and his sister. Uh, I mean, it was it, both of his sisters. It was. Uh, they're just all really great people, and I got to join them on the red carpet, which was really special for me. That's that's sweet. I, I man, I can't. I, I was able to take my dad, and what a cool. I mean. I don't think you could ever beat that kind of premiere on this aircraft carrier. Tom Cruise approaching in a helicopter. What an entrance, just super dramatic. And, uh, and then, you know, all that excitement building up to finally go see, see the movie. That was incredible. Uh, speaking of like, you know, Glenn Powell, he was, you know, one of the actors, he plays Hangman, one of the new kind of, not recruits, but just one of the newer pilots in the second movie. What, if you can speak a little bit on the training that they did go through, because obviously you can't just throw someone an F-18 and expect them to not throw up and, and, and just be able to, you know, still play their role in an accurate way. What kind of training, how do you train someone that has zero aviation experience to look like they're actually the real deal? Well, we got to tip our hats to Tom here again, because Tom knew as an aviator and an amazing actor that in order for the cast to really be up there in the F-18s pulling G's, they were gonna have to become accustomed to it. Like you said, you can't just throw somebody in there. There's no pulling over on the side of the road when you're in a you know $100 million aircraft. <laughs> so we built a training program and it was a really cool training program. I got to administer it and actually brought my dad in to help me. My oh, dad no was their first flight instructor in a Cessna 172. The and I got the to oversee one. the program. Yeah, my dad taught all of them in a Cessna 172. That wow. was stage one in this aviation training program that was basically set up and built and monitored by Tom Cruise took them through a Cessna 172, and that was like their spatial orientation, how to look at the gauges, what they did, how to talk on the radio, how to take off and land. Once they had all that figured out, we graduated them into my friend Chuck Coleman's program, which was an extra 300, and you know that aircraft. Oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's like a, a dream aircraft of mine. That's right, mine too. I'd love to have one of those. Oh, my God. Highly maneuverable, I mean, and, and they were pulling up to eight Gs on a regular basis, and that was our chance to build up their G fatigue levels and their G tolerance and really get their inner ear accustomed to just being thrown around every which way you could think. Yeah. And once we got them through that process, we graduated them into the L-39, which is the same jet that I modified to be a Cinejet. And the N-30, L-39 is a very cool airplane. It's a Czechoslovakian built fighter trainer imported into the U.S., very reliable, very maneuverable. And that gave the cast an opportunity to be in a maneuverable jet pulling Gs. And once we graduated them through there, they were like pros. They hopped into those F-18s like seasoned veterans. And that was what allowed them to deliver that, those epic performances and not worry about what their body was feeling. I mean, they were feeling it. You could see the distortion in their face and they're sweating. Like, that's what we want. I mean, that's realistic. It's what anybody would feel. Right. But the fact that they're still acting and delivering those story points, the quality they did, true testament to the training program right there. How long did, the, how long did this training program start to finish take? It was about, I think it was about three months. 
So they're almost essentially kind of getting a quick course and like getting a private pilot's license and then obviously accelerating it to a lot more capable aircraft very quickly. You know, Glenn Powell actually got his pilot's license from Top Gun. He um, had my dad log his time and I think had Chuck log time. And then he finished his flight training after the movie and he is a certified pilot today. And I think there's one or two others that are just starting to go on it as well now. Yeah, it counts as time, right? So if you're making a movie... Yeah, if, you're, still, if you were the CFI, you're getting... Hours, right? he, was, he was logging, for That's sure. That's the perfect time to actually, yeah. I think you only, what is it, 35, 40 hours is the minimum for a private? Yeah, I think it's 40. 40? That's, uh, damn, that's freaking sweet. That's so smart. You, yeah, that's smart to go ahead and do that. Man. <sighs> one question. Man. Sure. But just one, one more. Yeah. One more. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> we got tons. Um, you think possibly in the future, me and this guy can maybe... Jump in one of those. Oh, man, you talk about a dream role. If I was ever an actor, <laughs> if there was a Top Gun 3, I would love, just give me an opportunity for an audition, man. That's all, that's, that's probably, all you, I ask. You would love this show. Man, you got to impress me. You got to impress the big man there. I know, right? I'll just, I'll just make you look good on camera. <laughs> yeah, you know, you mean, is there ever an opportunity to fly in an F-18 or something like that? Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, they, 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 I mean, they absolutely do that. I think, you know, the Navy and, and other branches definitely do ride-alongs. Typically, it's uh, it's an influencer or somebody well known, some benefit to letting the general public see those people in the aircraft. But I heard they're uh, they're wild rides. I may or may not have gotten one myself. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't do it, but I know this guy would love. To he, do he's it. not he's not the be- the best flyer. I'm trying to get him better. I've taken him on a couple of rides just around uh, Manhattan here, and he's uh, he's a nervous Nelly, but <laughs> but we're working on it. I'd, lo- right. I'd love to see you put him through that training program that oh, you put the uh, the Top Gun actors through. That'd be. That'd be something. That'd be entertainment. If you recorded that first yeah. flight, that'd be entertaining for sure. That's awesome. You know, and, and they and they all went through it at their own level. There were some like Monica. I was using her as an example. Her G tolerance was crazy high. She her was that was Phoenix, eater, right? That's Phoenix. She did so good. She kind of kicked ass. I'm not gonna she lie. She did. She sort of set the bar. And there were others who took extra training flights to build up through through that level of getting uh, sick. But one thing I always like to mention to the audience is that, you know, people still got sick out there flying in those F-18s. But it, it isn't about getting sick because, you know, cameras stop rolling, they process, take care of whatever they have to take care of, stow their little baggie. The fact that they could get back into the fight, in our case, get back into the film and keep going, that's a huge testament. Because usually, and, testament, and you, sure. you know this, if when you get sick, you're kind of done. Like, you want to go home and you want to lay on the couch and drink water for two days. Yeah. There's, they powered right through and kept going, and that's awesome. Yeah, I couldn't imagine do, like getting sick, feeling like like really woozy, and just coming back strong and like do it. That's insane. You literally have. Yeah, that's I don't know how, how many cameras? One one question I had too. I was I, I couldn't just one, just just one. just one. How did you guys get rid of the reflections? I know you had like five or six, however many cameras in in the actual the cockpit there. But I was like looking at my, like, you don't see. It's like it's perfect. There's no reflections of any of the cameras that you would see like off the off the glass like that that camera work was, was insane yeah i mean it's I, that's tip of the hat to claudio miranda and his team for really good placement of those lenses and whatever practical effects they use to hide it and i'm sure you know if cg needed to come in and, and erase any reflection that's probably what they did but i think just a lot of emphasis on placement from claudio uh, was probably the main driver in that that's sweet well man this uh this movie instant classic again and like referring to what you were saying earlier with, you know, Tom Cruise having that kind of that speech to you guys to try to repeat after a classic, you know, from the 80s and what the original Top Gun was is almost like an impossible feat to try to like take on. 
And you guys did it. We're obsessed. Anyone that hasn't seen this movie, please go see it. Do yourself a huge favor. Even if you're not in aviation, if you, even if you haven't seen the first Top Gun, you're going to be obsessed. And a huge reason, like we already said, though, is the flying scenes. Kevin, that's a testament to you and being able to capture that. So thanks, brother. Just absolutely incredible, incredible work, man. Incredible. I, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate it. And Kevin, what's, what's next for you now, man? You just finished this, like, probably the best you movie be ever the made. You got to be the highest high next? you can be on, yeah. You know, every time we work on a movie, typically we don't see those come out for over a year. That's just they go to post and processing and, and they get edited. So instead of telling you what I'm doing right now, it's maybe more fun to tell you what's coming out right behind Top Gun. Ooh. And since this is kind of right up your, your alley, I think, as aviators, but there's another Navy movie. It's called Devotion. And I was lucky enough to get to work on that with my good friend Glenn Powell again. Glenn plays a lead in that movie. It's a true story directed by uh, a really good friend of mine, J.D. Dillard, and Eric Messerschmidt being the DP. But this is the story of, of two naval aviators that uh, sort of overcame some trying times and saw through racism and stuff like that during a, a strange time in history and it really drove home that brotherhood and sisterhood and camaraderie that we see in the armed forces and in naval aviation. It's a very heroic story. It's beautifully shot. And they use that Top Gun vibe, if you will, of practical flying, practical stunts. So a oh, lot of what we're yeah. gonna see on camera is again, the Cinejet at work with helicopter platforms. And I brought in real Corsairs, F4U Corsairs, oh big radial powered engines. I brought in MiG-15s. Uh, so these are all real practical aircraft that we don't typically get to see on camera and a forgotten, uh, kind of a forgotten story. And I can't wait for that to happen. That's October of this year. And right behind there, I was the aerial coordinator and camera pilot for a very fun movie, a huge movie actually, called The Gray Man. That's Agbo Productions, the Russo brothers with Netflix. That's going to be a really cool action-packed movie. And I believe that comes out later this year as well. Holy smokes. Holy shit, we man. are set for an action-packed I, uh... year. Absolutely. I am very intrigued. Yeah. I, I got to say, for whichever next movie you do, I got somebody right here that wants to make a, you know, acting appearance. A little sad appearance. Hey, like I said, man, <laughs> put in a word if you can for me. Much, much appreciated. <laughs> That's Absolutely. awesome. Kevin, where can everyone find you, man? Yeah, I mean, I usually try to put like behind the scenes content on my Instagram. I feel like people are kind of digging that these days of how we make aerials Absolutely. and what they look like on set. On set. So my Instagram handle is K2 underscore LaRosa. So letter K, number two, underscore LaRosa's, L-A-R-O-S-A. So I try to throw a bunch of stuff up there. I actually just loaded up a brand new Top Gun behind the scenes video for when we were working with the USS Theodore Roosevelt. So there's some really cool stuff on there now, and I'll just keep populating that uh, as we go here over the next few months. Kate, Peter, you Peter underscore LaRosa no time. following right now. <laughs> wow. Sweet. Wait, look at, uh, yep, find the Phenom. You flew a Phenom oh on Top gosh. Gun too. Yeah, so uh, my good friend Jonathan Spano owned, uh, he actually owns two Phenoms, and he went ahead and modified one of them to carry two shot overs. That's the same uh, kind of gimbal that I have on the L-39. And I flew that aircraft on the movie for whenever we wanted to go extended over water, extended feet wet, because I have two engine reliability, I have longer sortie mission times, um, and we can fly two shot overs at once. So both of my aerial DPs, uh, David Knoll and Michael Fitzmaurice, were able to operate simultaneously and get two shots uh, at the same time with different different size lens. What in a different cool job you have, man! I'm just yeah, this is real. watching these 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 flybys here over the aircraft carrier. Damn, I think um, so. You obviously 
one of my favorite shots from the movie that's just brought me back to it was in the beginning. And it's like a passing shot of the aircraft carrier as one of the jets is landing. And like the movie just kicks off. Stunning. Well, you're looking, Stunning. If you're looking at the at the Instagram day, I think that we captured that particular that's, shot. That, the beginning of this, yeah, this video here looks oh, yeah. just like that. Wow. That was it. That's insane. That lighting too. Holy you know, flying, flying around the carrier was pretty special for me. I don't know how many civilian jet pilots have gotten to do that ever. So pretty fortunate. But I also love the camaraderie that I got to build with the United States Navy and their aviators and their decision makers. Definitely a crawl, walk, run mentality with anything in stunts or aviation. But, you know, by the end of the movie, our trust level was so high and I was going out into the ranges and doing things with the Navy and out to sea with the aircraft carrier that I don't think many civilians really get to do. I understand the, the weight of that trust and I understood the gravity of it and what it meant. So I protected that. But, you know, aside from that, my main job was to make sure Paramount was safe. We did everything perfectly and legal, and I loved my time with the United States Navy. I definitely have a newfound appreciation for naval aviators. I kind of, you know, in a way, I like dedicating the work I put into the movie for the real heroes that at any given day are loaded to the gills, sitting on some aircraft carrier, ready to stand in the way of anything that threatens our freedom. And those are mm -hmm. just, those are mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters. They're normal people in day-to-day -day life. And uh, when they go to work, they become our heroes. So hats off to them. That's for so sure. true. Hats off. Be beautifully said, man. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been an absolute treat for us. And Peter's shaking right now by talking to you. He's I just, like <laughs> my adrenaline right now. I want to go. Let's go fly. Let's go. To, let's get to take a jet up, man. <laughs> I'm ready. Oh, man. Thank Let you me know so when you guys much, are Kevin. in L.A. We'll, we'll plan a little flight for sure. Yeah, we got to go up in that decathlon, man. That'd be sweet. Yeah, I'll watch you guys from down here. I'm like, <laughs> would love it. No, you know, we're going to make you go. We're going to build there a curriculum. Go. That's my guy right a there. A Top Gun <laughs> training curriculum for you, and we'll get you, uh, we'll get you in there. Oh, man. Hell yeah. Well, looking forward to it. We'll definitely let you know when we're back out there. Bachelors in the City is hosted by me, Peter Weber. And me, Dustin Kendrick. This podcast is produced by Red Rock Music. Our producer is Emma Martins, and our executive producer is Red Yoakum. Our audio engineer is Enrique Inahosa. Subscribe and like or review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Instagram at Bachelors in the City Podcast. Got questions for us about the show, life, or really whatever? DM at Bachelors in the City Podcast on Instagram for a chance to be a featured third roommate. We'll catch you next time. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com.